morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning and uh, bring you greetings from South Africa. Um, I just want to check the lights are not going to go out while we're speaking this morning. Um, um, no, so that's just an African joke. Um, and I uh, just want to... Um, just want to greet you all in the name of Jesus. It's wonderful to be with you and, um, and bring you greetings from my wife, Shannon. Um, she's back in Kloof near Durban, and it's just wonderful to be. I'm also good mates with Marius Gradwell and Linda, who've been here before a little while ago, and he encouraged me to come. So it's wonderful to be with you. And I'm really here for two weekends to serve you, and not just for you to come and listen to me. I'm really here to serve you and to help to equip you and... Um, and so I've really prepared stuff to help you. I, I do quite a lot of training, travel around a bit now. I've pastored and led local churches for about 36, 37 years. Um, I've been married for 42 years. We got married very young. Um, and that's why I'm still a bit, you know, I'm still not that old. Um, and uh, um, I tell folk we got married at 15 and 16, but they look at me confused. No, we're a little bit older than that. Um, but um, it's a joy to serve the Lord. It's a joy to be here. It's my first time in Bahrain, and it's wonderful to see what God is doing and to be with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the worship. And I really want to serve you, um, and I just want to say something at the outset, hopefully to get your attention. What I'm going to share this morning and next week are probably the most important things you'll ever hear in terms of the gospel and the Christian life. And so I'm just putting that out there, not because I'm the greatest, but because Jesus is the greatest. And we're going to focus on him over the next two weeks. And I'm really here to serve you um, and hopefully to, to help you. If you've been an older Christian, to strengthen you. If you're a new Christian, to awaken you. If you're not yet, haven't yet come to faith, to, to draw you to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I really hope to help you. Um, what I've done is I've made some notes. I'm sorry they're a little bit small. Uh, size 10 font. You just can hold them a bit closer if you can't see. If you're a bit older like me. Um, but um, they're there to help you and to serve you. Um, they, uh, some of Tim Keller's notes, who's really helped us with the gospel, but some of it's also my stuff that I've put in as well. Um, and um, what we want to do is I want to lay a foundation this, Sunday, this, this Friday. Uh, hopefully do two sessions if possible. I won't speak for too long in them because um, I know folk have got to go. And then I want to continue next week as we look at idols um, and we look more deeply into our lives um, and how the gospel helps to change us. Um, and so it's really going to be practical as well, because all preaching must be practical, not just theoretical. People need help in their daily lives. And um, I'm hoping to bring that to you and to help you um, in the next two weeks as well. So if you can make both weekends, that'll be really helpful. I'd encourage you to read the notes, and particularly uh, I'll do the first section this morning on the gospel. There's stuff in there on idols as well and idolatry. We've all got idols in our lives. Um, all of us, I have as well, have had and, and still busy with stuff in my life. And so it's really helpful to do that. There's a little bit of homework in there for you to do. If you can do that before next week and pray into it, it'd be wonderful as well um, so that we can um, you know, minister to you as well next week as well. Love to do that. Um, and so the next, these two weekends are quite foundational. It's not just preaching, but it's equipping as well and training. It's kind of that kind of feel. Um, we've called it a, a two weekends of word and spirit, hoping to bring that as well and see the, the Holy Spirit also move in your life as well and to change you. Um, and so I really want to serve you with that. I have a kind of a prophetic gift as well. 
and hope to help you with that area as well. And I need God's help with you as well. And just to say as well at the outset, I've also come, um, I also do coaching as well. Um, you know, I'm a strength finder coach, and I know that um, we won't put the slides up now, but um, I know that, um, or perhaps we can, just can we just put those strength finder slides up? Um, so basically, just to talk to you about that for a bit as well, I'm also available this week. If any of you want to go online and do the test, it's a phenomenal test to help you to understand your personal strengths that God has given you, your natural strengths. We've also all got natural strengths we were born with, and we've also got spiritual gifts uh, and strengths that we were given at conversion and by the Holy Spirit. And so what, I, what you can do is, if you, if you want to, is go online and do the test. Um, you, you, have, you have to pay. It's not me. It goes to Gallup to, to strength, uh, strengths testing. You do your test. You can do the full 34. It's wonderful. I'm meeting with the elders and wives tonight to go into their strengths as well. And then um, I'm available if you want to while I'm here. We can do it on Zoom or whatever to meet with you to help you to understand your strengths. So I'm running an organization called the Africa Leadership School. Uh, train in Africa, um, but also travel quite a bit. Um, and so um, I think Bahrain's my 26th country now I've visited and also done some training in. So it's just wonderful to be here. So can we just flip through, the, through those quickly? So um, we can just go to the next slide. And so we're talking about strengths awareness. It's opening an umbrella of grace. It's, it's the ability to provide consistent and great performance in a given activity in your life. A strength is how you feel during an activity. Am I energized or not? And your strength should be tied to your role. In other words, things that come easy for you, things that, 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 that bless others and that invigorate you as well. Can we just go to the next slide? I'm just going to jump through. And your weaknesses are the resistance you feel by doing certain things in your life. And so it's good to understand your strengths and your weaknesses so you know yourself better. And we want to tie that as well to your role in life so that the things you're doing are the, the, the areas that you have been gifted uh, and you have the natural talents to do. A skill you can learn, you can go to varsity, you can go to college, you can learn a skill, but it might not necessarily be your strength. Um, and, and you might be doing something and say, well, I'm a bit frustrated. Um, uh, but your strength will bring you joy and it will keep energizing you. And so we want to help you to discover your strengths. And it really is amazing. I mean, it, it'll open up a whole window of understanding for you as well. And so can we go to the next slide? Um, and so, yeah, I'll go to the next one. Um, so strengths will help you to have a greater awareness of the contribution you bring. As you move from unconscious incompetence, I don't know what I, what I don't know. And, and to a situation where conscious incompetence, I know what I don't know, I know what I need to change, to a situation of conscious competence where I know what I know, I know what, how God's gifted me, I, I know how he's made me, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, to finally where you have really unconscious competence where I know what I know unconsciously, I'm flowing in my gifts. And so, thank you, you can turn that off now. So that's just a sign, just to say if, you're, if you've got some time this week, you'd like me to help you. I'm available this week as well. You can go online. I think um, Ray handed you out a, a flyer uh, or in your WhatsApp. Do the, do the test. Let me know about it. I'm, I'm ready to help you as well. All the information's there. Amen. Great. You guys good? 
Okay, good. If you've got your notes, let's just open them up. We don't want to just focus on the notes. But what I want to today is I want to talk to you about the gospel. And so Paul, when he's on his way to Corinth, he says something important to us. I just want to open with a scripture um, and, and, and read this to you. Um, so Paul says this to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 1. He says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters... I did not come with superior eloquence or wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony of God. Now, Paul could have done that. Paul was a brilliant, brilliant intellectual. If Paul had not become a Christian, you still would have probably heard about him because he was so brilliant. He was, he was incredibly, an incredible mind. And, and God used him in so many ways in the early church. But here he's writing to the Corinthians, this crazy bunch of Christians, and he's writing to them, and he tells them his purpose uh, that, he, that, that motivated him when he came to them. And he said, for I decided to, to, to be concerned about nothing amongst you or, to, or to, to, to know nothing amongst you, I think it says in the, in the ESV, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, that's all I wanted to focus on when I was amongst you was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and it was, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And so my conversation and my preaching were not in a persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of God. And so there encapsulates his ministry and his purpose in being with the Corinthians, and although he was a brilliant intellectual, he says to them, when I came to you, I decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his purpose. That's what drove him. That's what was his concern for the church. And so what we want to do today is we want to open that up, because really, it's the centrality of the gospel that is really the foundation of our Christian lives. And it should be the foundation of the church. Um, and, and we're living in a time and a season today where God is giving fresh clarity on the gospel. And I'm hoping um, in this first session that uh, as I'm finished it, you'll start to see the gospel even more, more clearly as well. And so let's just dive straight in. I'm going to be using uh, some of Tim Keller's notes. Um, and I want to talk to you first of all about the, the clarity and the centrality of the gospel. The gospel really needs to be in the very center of everything we do. It's what drives us, what motivates us. We keep coming back to the gospel over and over and over again. Um, and so let's just look at that together. So we're looking first of all at the, the centrality of the gospel. And, and here we find Paul is, he lays down an important principle for us. He's already spoken to the Corinthians. He said, when I came to you, I wanted to know nothing. I could have preached on lots of topics. But when I came to you, I wanted to talk about Jesus and him crucified. He wanted to talk about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I wanted to know nothing else. I want to tell you a story as I start, so we don't just start with the notes. And maybe you've heard the story before. It's, it's a story about a man and his son. Um, and this man was an art dealer. And he loved paintings and artwork. And, um, and, and he loved his son very, very much. And one day, uh, his son had to go off. I think it was the Vietnam War. He had to go off to the war. And his son went off to the war. And he heard, after uh, many months, he heard that his son had been killed in battle. 
And the, this man was devastated by the death of his son. And, and then one day after that, he had a knock on his door, and, and there was a soldier standing there, and he said, Sir, I've come to track you down. I, I, I was with your son in battle, and I saw him die, and I want to just tell you he was amazing. He was an amazing person, and um, he, what we found is he'd, he'd, he'd drawn a picture, and um, I wanted you to have this picture that he drew. He knows you, I know you love artwork, and I wanted you to have this, this picture your son drew. And the man was absolutely bowled over, and he thanked the soldier. And he took this picture, and he framed it, and he put it on his mantelpiece right in the center of the room. And he would just sit and gaze at it all day because he loved his son so much. And then a year or two later, the man died. And they decided to have an auction to auction off all this amazing, famous artwork that he had in his house. And people came from all over for this famous auction to, to buy paintings and artwork and and as the auction began, the, the auctioneer, the, the guy at the front, he drew the crowd to attention and he said, before we begin the auction, there's, there's something that was in the man's will that I need to do before we start. And, he, and the people were looking at all the great paintings around the room and he said, before we can begin the auction, I want to auction off this picture of the son because this is a picture of the man's son. And, and we're going to start with this, with this, this, this painting. And, 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 and here was this little painting in the midst of all these great artwork. And the people said, no, 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 we're here for the artwork. We're not here. They said, no, 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 it's a stipulation in the world. We, we're going to start with this picture of the sun. And so it, would anyone like to bid for this picture of the sun? And nobody wanted to bid for it. And they said, no, no, we're here for the, we're here for the real auction. And eventually at the back, the, the, the gardener that used to work for this family, he put his hand up and he said, I'll, I'll buy the picture of the sun. He said, I've only got $10. I'll, I'll buy it for $10. And the man said, is there anybody else? He said, nobody else wanted to bid for it. He said, okay, going once, going twice, sold. The, 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 the portrait of the sun is sold to the man at the back for $10. And he said, folks, the auction is now closed. And they said, what do you mean? We came to, to, to bid on these great paintings. He said, well, part of the stipulation in the will was whoever bought the picture of the sun got all the paintings as well. If you purchased the sun, if you bought the sun, you got everything as well. If you missed the sun, you missed everything. It was about the sun. If you got the sun... You got everything. If you missed the sun, you lost everything. And folks, that's really a picture of the gospel. It's all about Jesus and what he has done. If you get the sun, you get everything. If you miss the sun, you miss everything. And so we want to talk today about the centrality of the gospel. And so we find later on Paul is, is, is speaking to the great apostle Peter. And he finds that, that Peter had, he was a real Jew and Peter had never been in the house of a Gentile before he went into Cornelius' house. He even said to Cornelius, look, I'm not supposed to be here. I mean, how welcoming is that? Um, and, 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 and yet he went into Cornelius' house, but later on he drew back again into his own cultural group. And Paul, Paul comes and he rebukes Peter in Galatians chapter 2, and he says to Peter something interesting. He says, Peter, you're not acting in line with the gospel. You're not acting in line with the gospel. And so we find, friends, that 
the gospel is really central and needs to be applied to every area of our lives, to thinking, feeling, relating, working, and behaving. And so there's some implications about the gospel. The gospel really is the power of God. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is the power of God. And so the gospel has the life of God in it. It's a living thing, this gospel. It's, it's, it's planted in us. It grows in us. And it continues to bear fruit. And at the moment, right around the world, this gospel is spreading and bearing fruit. This gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the gospel is also sufficient for us. The gospel is not just the way you get saved and enter into the kingdom of God, but the gospel is the way you grow in the kingdom. So many Christians feel, well, you need the gospel to get saved, and then later on you move on to more deeper things like spiritual warfare and prayer and fasting and all this other stuff, and, but that's wrong. The gospel is not just how you get saved. The gospel is how you grow. The gospel is how you mature. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's all about the gospel. And so we don't just get saved by the gospel and then grow through hard effort and through applying ourselves. We need to do that, but we grow also through the gospel. And so, friends, we're people that love the gospel, the Reformation, the 1532 Reformation, where was the gospel was discovered again. And Christians all over the world are rediscovering the gospel today. You can go to churches for months and months and never hear the gospel. And never hear the gospel. And Luther said, actually, the gospel needs to be at the very center. And we need to keep beating it into our heads and our hearts all the time. This gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the key to continual and deeper spiritual renewal and revival is a constant rediscovery of the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm probably going to say gospel a hundred times this morning. Bear with me. And so the gospel is, first of all, the power of God. Secondly, the gospel is enough for us. Thirdly, the gospel needs to be at the center. And all the ministries, in fact, everything we do in our lives needs to be centered around the gospel. So if you look at a wheel, the gospel is the hub in the middle. And all the spokes that go off the wheel are the things we do. But at the center is the gospel. It's like a geezer in your house. There's a geezer in the roof, but the geezer supplies all the taps in the house. If you turn on a tap in the kitchen, the water comes out of that geezer. If you go for a shower in the bathroom, it comes from the same. The gospel is the geezer that supplies everything in our lives. Hallelujah. And so there's some implications of the gospel we need to catch as Christians. But let me first dive in and let's drill more deeply into the gospel. What is the gospel? I'm going to talk to you about gospel theology first of all. What is the gospel? Tim Keller says, if I had to put the gospel in a single statement, I would put it like this. In the person of Jesus, God emptied himself of his glory and became human. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God with skin on. It's incredible. He came down and he took on flesh for you and for me. 
Secondly, through the work of Jesus, God substituted himself for us and atoned for our sin on the cross. And he rose again by justifying and bringing us into fellowship. All those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus is what Jesus has done for us. Your salvation is not what you did, it's what he did for you. Hallelujah. And then thirdly, at the return of Jesus, God will restore creation and make a new world in in which we will enjoy life with him forever. Hallelujah. So that, friends, in a nutshell, is the gospel. We need to be articulating that gospel over and over to others, that God came down and took on flesh, that God took your place upon the cross. He took your place. And through faith in him, his death and his resurrection, you too may receive new life. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. And so the gospel is Christocentric. The gospel is really about Jesus. It's who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The gospel is Jesus and Jesus is the gospel. And so we can see the gospel as Jesus. It's about his person about the proclamation about Jesus, about his power. It's freedom from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. It means that God has saved you. God is busy saving you, and one day you'll be fully saved. Hallelujah. It's what God has done for us, and it's a beautiful exchange. It talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I normally take a long time over these notes. I'm rushing a little bit because I know our time is short, but it's a beautiful exchange. We're on the cross Jesus took your sin upon himself, upon the cross. He bore your sin and my sin in his body on the tree. And he gave us his righteousness. He gave us his righteousness. We clothed with the righteousness of Christ. It's a beautiful exchange. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness so that we could stand before the Father. That's the gospel. It's incredible. There's nothing like it. And so the gospel is a story that's unfolded right throughout Scripture, right from Genesis, right through to Revelation. We see the gospel story. It's like a redemptive arc. Through the Bible is the story of the gospel. Hallelujah. And so we see, firstly, what is the gospel? It's the power of God. We see that the gospel is also about Jesus. And so, what is the core of the gospel? Well, the gospel is good news. It's not good advice. It's something that has already been done. It's not something you have to do. It's what he has done. We just need to receive and believe what he has done for us. Hallelujah. Secondly, the gospel is about grace. It's about the grace of God. It's not about your merit. The gospel is that I'm accepted through Christ, therefore I obey. All other religions say, all other religions say, I need to obey in order to be accepted. I need to do this and do that and go here and do there in order to be, do this and that to be accepted. The gospel says I'm already accepted and therefore I obey. So obedience comes out of relationship. Our obedience comes out of being accepted. Hallelujah. The thief who hung on the cross, there were two of them hanging on the cross, and the one cursed him, and the other looked at him. And in that moment, 
He looked across at Christ, beaten and broken upon the cross. And he suddenly saw who he was. And he said, listen, we deserve what's happened to us. But this man, he's innocent. This man's innocent. He turned, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your glory. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise today. Hallelujah. It's about the grace of God. It's about the goodness of God. In an instant, the man was changed. It's about grace. It's not about merit. Hallelujah. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that saved me. Hallelujah. If you're a great sinner, or even if you're a little sinner, it doesn't make any difference. It's the grace of God that saved you. It's the grace of God that carries you. Hallelujah. And the grace of God is so liberating. And thirdly, the gospel is about a great reversal of the world's values. And so in the gospel, the way up is the way down. The way to greatness is to be the servant of all. It's a complete reversal of the world's values. It's the upside down kingdom. It's this radical gospel kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And so friends, this is what we build our lives on. It's a deeper and deeper understanding of the gospel in our lives and glorying in Jesus and focusing on Jesus and following Jesus and what he has done for us and opening ourselves up to his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Father sent the Son that we may be saved. And so we are Trinitarian, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is the agent. He's the one who came and revealed God to us. You cannot see God. You can't find God. You cannot know God. You cannot come to salvation without Jesus. Hallelujah. In him is found salvation and life and righteousness and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And remember my own life as a 17-year-old young man. I've been on drugs, been in the surf culture. Jesus stepped into my life, changed my life completely, and keep, has kept changing my life, changing our lives. It's the power of the gospel at work within us, and it's absolutely wonderful. I want you to get excited again about the gospel. I want you to see again the power of the gospel. It's not just something that saved you, but it's something that's, if you're a Christian, that continues to work in your life. It's about the gospel. Let's just pray together. Lord, we just want to thank you this morning for the gospel. Won't you thank him for the gospel? Won't you thank him this morning for what he's done in your life? Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to see who Jesus is. Thank you, we're sitting here today because of the gospel. And Lord, we worship you and we thank you. And we just extol your great name this morning. Thank you for the gospel. It comes by the grace of God, the goodness of God, as you've stepped into our lives. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. And so, friends, I've just rushed through very briefly this thing on the gospel theology. I'll give you some time for questions um, afterwards. We'll take a short break just now. Um, and um, I want to continue now with gospel renewal. And so not just how you get saved, but how the gospel also renews you and how the gospel changes you. 
Because God saved you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. So he wants to keep changing you from one degree of glory into another so that we, we, we take on the image of Christ on a, on a daily basis in our lives. And so um, we, we need to understand that the foundation for gospel renewal lies in the role of faith and repentance and the means of grace. Those three things. The way we get renewed, the way we get changed is through faith, ongoing faith, ongoing repentance, and ongoing means of grace. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. Okay, so first of all, we need to understand and, 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 and rediscover the gospel through these th- three things. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I want to just read you those verses this morning. Colossians chapter 3. You still with me? Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, Therefore, if we've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with Him. So put to death. Whatever in your nature belongs to the earth, whatever's earthly in you, the ESV says. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. There's that word. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. You used to live your lives in this way at one time when you used to live among them. But now, put off such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language. Do not lie to one another. Since you've put off the old person with its practices and have been clothed with the new man that is being renewed, there's that word renewal, in knowledge according to the image of him who created it. For there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Hallelujah. So you have a little diagram there. This Colossians diagram is really helpful to understand how the gospel changes you and renews you. And we want to change. We don't want to get stuck. We want to keep growing in our lives as Christians. Why? Because the kingdom of of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is moving all the time. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We don't want to get stuck. We want to keep advancing with the kingdom of God. If I come back next year, I want to see that God's been doing fresh things in your life. And he's working with you. And new things are happening because God is alive in you. And he's changing you and he's transforming. We're not going to get stuck. We want to keep moving and advancing. And the way we do that is through the renewal of the gospel. And understanding how God has made us and what he's calling us to. And so here in Colossians is a diagram of renewal. And so you find in, 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 in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, he's talking about getting your identity in Christ. And those first verses are about faith and finding your identity in Christ, not in other things, but truly finding my identity in Jesus Christ. And we find even Jesus himself needed that. You remember when he got baptized, before he began his ministry, and he came out out of the waters, and he heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus was affirmed by the Father in his identity. He said, you're my son, I love you. And then he began his ministry. 
We don't find our, our identity in the ministry. We don't find our identity, particularly men. Men seem to be worse than women in this area. We don't find our identity in the things we're doing or who we are. But we find our identity in God and who he says we are. And then we step out and we open the door and we, we go to work and we go into life. Because in our hearts, and this is a big one, folks, I can talk about this all day. We find our identity in Jesus Christ. We go back to identity. And if you're going through a crisis and you're going through a difficulty, go back to your identity. Go back to who you are in Christ. Go back to the gospel. In this Russian-Ukrainian war at the moment, you know what's happening in Ukraine? Everybody's flying Ukrainian flags everywhere in the midst of a crisis. They've gone back and they've said, no, we're not Russian, we're Ukrainian. They've gone back to their identity. And when we go through difficulty, we go back to identity and say, no, I'm a Christian. Maybe I've sinned, I've gone through a difficulty, I've gone through trouble, but I'm still a child of God, hallelujah. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I'm going back to that. I'm affirming my identity again. I'm a child of God, hallelujah. Nothing will take that away from me. We go back to that. And so these first few verses, I mustn't preach now, let me stick to my notes. These first few verses are affirming your identity in Christ. You need to know your identity in Christ. Settle that. You don't have to take your pulse every day. You don't have to be anxious. You need to know I'm loved by God. I'm loved by Him. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. If you're a child of God, you'll always be a child of God. You can't lose your salvation because of what God has done in your life. Hallelujah. You can't undo what He's done. Hallelujah. And we settle on that great foundation. Hallelujah. I'm not up on Monday, down on Tuesday, sideways on Wednesday. And I've got strong emotions. My dad was Afrikaans. <laughs> but my stability is rooted in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And I keep going back there. Then, then secondly, the second uh, 5 to 11 is, is repentance, turning from the idols of your heart. I want to talk about that next week. It's turning, getting to know yourself. So many, so many, so many Christians don't know who they are just out of touch with your own heart. And it's difficult to, to know what's going on in your heart. It's difficult to know who I am. This is who I am. And to be open and to be transparent and to be honest. So what you see is what you'll get and what I am and who I am. Warts and all, weaknesses and all. This is me. This is who I am. And so the gospel helps you to, to come to terms with that and to know that God loves you, warts and all. Weaknesses and all. In fact, he's attracted to that. He's attracted to that. He's the only God who loves sinners. All other gods hate sinners, actually. I'm going to say some things that may blow your mind. God loves sinners. Jesus is sitting with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees said to him, Look at you. Look at you. You're supposed to be a holy man. Look at the people you're surrounding yourself, prostitutes, sinners. And Jesus said, go and learn what it means 
I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The healthy don't need a doctor. I've come for those that need help. These are the ones that are pressing into the kingdom. And those that think they're okay are not getting in. And so the gospel, friends, is for the prodigal son and the, prod- and the gospel is for the obedient older brother. The gospel's for both. In Luke 15, the younger son, when he came home, he had lots of things on his list. Prostitutes, parties, gambling, spending his dad's money, shame, guilt. And the father ran and kissed him before he repented. Let that blow your mind. But the older brother, he had nothing on the list. He was obedient, he was trustworthy, but he was angry. And he was alienated from the father. And the gospel's for both. Hallelujah. The gospel's for bad people and good people. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we need that repentance. And then thirdly, Colossians 12, verse 17, 3, 12, 17, it talks about the pathways or the means of grace. I just want to finish this and then we'll take a break. And so let's just first of all understand faith. And so faith is, is trust in the person of Jesus Christ. That's really what it is. It's throwing ourselves on the mercy. It's reckless abandon, abandonment. That's what faith is. I like to spell, I like to spell faith, T-R-U-S-T, trust. It's trust. It's ruthless trust in Jesus. Just say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. Nothing makes sense right now. Nothing adds up. I can't work it out, but I'm just going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep holding on to you. And that is so powerful because the just shall live by faith. We keep walking by faith. We live in this realm where we can't see everything. We can't work out everything. But we just, we're like Abraham, we, we, that, that son he loved. The son that he waited years for. The son he loved more than himself. God says, now take that son and sacrifice him. So Abraham says, I can't understand this, but I know God is good. Sometimes when you don't understand what God's doing, you have to trust God's heart. When you don't understand what he's doing. Say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing, but I trust your heart. And I'm going to keep moving in this direction. And God said to him, stop, stop, stop. Now that I know you truly love me. Very powerful stuff. And so faith is just keeping, I don't, I don't always get this right. It's just trusting God. Hallelujah. And then secondly, repentance. What is repentance? Well, faith is trusting God. Repentance is taking your, 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 your heart and your mind off the things you were trusting and putting them back on God. That's what repentance is. And it's, it, 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 it's the destruction of idols in your life. It's, it's letting go of the things that you're holding on to for significance, for identity, and for comfort in your life. It's taking your hands off that and putting them back on God and trusting Him. And, and I hope to help you with that next week um, a lot as well. And so faith and repentance are like the engine room in the Christian life. We keep believing, we keep repenting, we keep repenting, we keep believing as we trust God. And as we do that, we grow as Christians. And then finally, we understand the means of grace. Let me do this and I'm going to stop talking. So it says, put off 
and put on these things. And so they're means of grace that God has given us. And I want to talk about five of them quickly. First of all, it's prayer. When you pray, when you spend time with God, the seeker of the shut door, you go and you shut the door and your father who is in secret will see what you're doing. You find that, and I know sometimes it's difficult. I was in the military for quite a long time. I was, a, I was a, a diver in the Navy. I was on a ship for many years with about 40-something guys on the ship. I just got saved as a Christian. There was nowhere to pray. They were all watching me. It was tough. I just got saved. If I still swore, they said, yeah, we heard you. So I thought, to go into the toilets and shut the door and pray, close the door, and God who sees you will reward you. So prayer is a means of grace. Secondly, the Word of God is a means of grace. As you, as you read the Word, not just, uh, not just on Sundays, but yourself, you, you're systematically reading the Word, it'll strengthen you. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, the Spirit's in you, but also being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will lead you. The Spirit will speak to you. The Spirit will guide you. And then fourthly, fellowship. That's what you're doing this morning. You're being strengthened here, aren't you? You're coming under the word, you're worshiping together, you're encouraging, it's a means of grace, it's a channel of grace. And finally, the sacraments, being baptized as a believer, and breaking of bread and communion, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus. These are the means of grace. And so friends, as I close this first session, gospel renewal involves a continual growing awareness of both our sinfulness and God's holiness and His grace. And so we realize as we grow as Christians that I'm, I'm more sinful than I ever realized. And it's just amazing that God chose me and, and, and saved me. I can't believe it. I wouldn't have saved me as I get to know myself better, but God did. Hallelujah. It's just incredible. And Jesus said that. He said, listen, man, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And that's wonderful. And so it's, it's two movements. First of all, I realize it's by grace. And secondly, I start to realize who God really is. I realize how holy he is and how amazing he is. And so I grow in those two areas. As I grow in those two areas, I start growing as well. Friends, this is a very quick theology and renewal of the gospel, how the gospel changes you. There's scriptures in there. There's notes in there. Um, it's part of this training thing I do on the gospel. We spend a whole weekend on this stuff, um, and, it's, and it's transforming in your life. And I want to encourage you, go back to the gospel. Don't see it as the ABC. It's the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P, as they say at school. It's the whole deal. It's the gospel. You never get away from the gospel. You just plunge it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And in the next session, I want to touch on 10 aspects of the gospel to help you. The notes I've put together. Hallelujah.